Jen, it's Fantasy Festivus and time to air your fantasy grievances. Who let you down this week? Well, week two, my fantasy uh, Festivus grievances is the referees, the NFL referees, uh, for several reasons. <laughs> Number one is the taunting. That taunting rule, it's out of control. And, you know, it's, it's frustrating because it, A, it slows down the game for all of us and for the players. And B, it's just not fun. I mean, they're, they're you know, venturing back to the, the no fun league, you know, pun or whatever for, for NFL. Um, and then secondly, um, the specifically in the Chargers-Dallas game, those refs were super brutal. Uh, that that sack call on Justin Herbert was absolutely ridiculous. As well as they took away a, a stack a stack touchdown that I needed from Herbert to Cook, which really screwed me <laughs> fantasy wise. So overall, my my airing of grievances goes to the refs. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, always nice to complain about the refs. I think it's something all sports fans can always unite over. <laughs> now let's get to the show. Welcome, everyone, to the most accurate podcast. I am one of your hosts, Brandon Niles. With me are my excellent co-hosts, as usual, Jen Akins and Chris Allen. Chris, how's it going, buddy? I'm doing well. I'm just hoping that we don't get another update at some point of another quarterback or skill position player getting hurt because after yesterday, it just seemed like a ton of players were just like dropping like flies like due to injuries uh, to what four at least four quarterbacks dropped like la yesterday we got Jarvis Landry out so just happy to get through week two without too many more injuries but other than that I'm doing all right uh but of course I wanted to ask how Jen like uh, Jen on Twitter at fantasy bro uh how are you doing Jen? <laughs> <laughs> I am doing well, despite being called a fantasy bro bright and early this morning. I am doing well. Like you, the, the injuries were rough. Uh, the good news, though, is that most of those quarterbacks, I think, are actually okay, which is nice. Mm -hmm. But it was except a scary... For, except like, for Tarad. I'm really, I'm really right, upset yeah. about it. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah, that that sucks. is a bummer. But I know yeah. Carr and, and Tua and uh, Baker seem to be all right for now. But that was a rough, like, tw 20 minutes there. Um, but yeah, so far, so good. I'm doing all right. Um... I like how we just don't bring up Dalton. I just, I, it just cracks me. Oh yeah, yeah just, uh, <laughs> just kind of let it go. Just let <laughs> <Him> it go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's funny though. Um, coming to actually brings me to surprises. So we've got our our Sunday surprises segment. Um, Chris, you are usually the leader of the segment here. What do you got for us today on surprises? All right. So the first surprise, which actually probably isn't too much of a surprise if most folks were paying attention to what happened in week one. But I am somewhat surprised with this whole Ezekiel Elliott, Tony Pollard split, which it's really it really is a true split at this point. I think in week one, their snap shares. I mean, of course, like Zeke still owns Pollard from a snap share perspective, 84% uh, to 24% last week. 71% to 34% this week. But from a touch share perspective, Tony Pollard has definitely closed the gap with only seven touches last week. He now increased that. He doubled that to 16 touches to Zeke's 18. We saw the manufactured touches with that jet sweep for Pollard uh, in the red zone in order to give Pollard like his touchdown on the day. I mean, Zeke still got his, but it's just now becoming more and more concerning that it's not just showing up on the production. If you just watch that game, you could tell Tony Pollard was the better of the two Dallas backs. I mean, Tony Pollard had the long run of 28 yards. He has that burst. He has that speed, things that Zeke pretty much doesn't have at this point in his career. So I don't know, Jen, how are you approaching like this split now that we have to, this committee now in Dallas after thinking Zeke was going to be the quote unquote RB1 for Dallas? 
Yeah, it's pretty rough for, for people that did draft Zeke, especially as a first rounder, um, to have already in week two seeing such a timeshare. I personally am fortunate. I actually went more of the Pollard route than the Zeke route, so I'm kind of okay with what's happening. But I know for people out there that were counting on him, you know, bringing the value of a first rounder, it has to be tough to take. And I mean, I guess we'll kind of see how it plays out. But I think, you know, like you said, the, the numbers are there, and it seems like it's becoming more of a committee than everyone really thought. I think it's um, I think it's definitely interesting and something we have to watch. Absolutely. I mean. Brandon, how are you approaching this? I mean, are you trying to sell Zeke if you've got him on any of your rosters? Do you think it's worth holding on to and seeing if he can recoup some of that or just uh, be back or get back to his form from a couple of years ago? How are you looking at it? So, you know, form from a couple of years ago is probably too much to ask, but I, I, I'm not really as panicked about Zeke. I'm more excited about Pollard. Like, uh, you know, Zeke had 16 carries. He had two receptions. Uh, he was still an active part of the offense. Still got a go- still got red zone touches. Although I was a little concerned, Pollard got the red zone touchdown at, uh, you know, the first red zone touchdown they had. Uh, Zeke's not going to get you back the production that he provides you, and so you know his floor is still going to be an RB two. So yes, it sucks that your first round pick is giving you RB2 numbers like that sucks, but he's going to have his big games. And I, I liken this Zeke Pollard situation more to like Chubb Hunt than it is uh, like a okay. full on. I'm worried Pollard is going to take that job. I think they're both going to be very active. Now, if I'm in dynasty, I'm, I'm really concerned about my Zeke shares because the trade value is probably gone and uh it, you know so you're not going to get anything back and I think Zeke I think this timeshare definitely shows that Zeke may be closer to the end of his reign than uh than maybe we wanted to admit if we have Zeke on, on our on our roster but you know redraft I think Zeke is still going to put up at least RB2 numbers and he's going to have some really big games he still gets touchdowns still better in pass protection so he's going to get the snap so I, I I think I would say the sky isn't quite falling as dramatically as uh is being told you know what I mean no, I think that makes that does make some sense because especially in week one and what was a tough matchup for the Cowboys going up against the Bucks, it was Zeke that was out there. I mean, almost getting completely hammered in pass protection. Mm-hmm. So I can see that utility form. It's just that we want that utility to translate into fantasy points at some point here in the season. So hopefully there are better days ahead. Looking at their upcoming schedule, it does look like things get a little bit better for them, but hopefully Zeke gets back to having at least a larger role within that offense. But we'll just see. Hopefully Dak stays healthy. The rest of the offensive line stays healthy. And we can see Zeke get back to that RB1 form that we knew him. Or at least we expected him to be when we drafted him at third or fourth overall. Uh, But staying in the NFC... Going up to the NFC North now with the Minnesota Vikings, who actually look, at least from a production standpoint in the stat sheets, uh, we'll, uh, we'll leave their kicker aside after yesterday, but K.J. Osborne now, I don't know what to make of this at this point because... That's now two weeks in a row we've seen him have significant targets like within that offense. We thought going into the season it was essentially going to be Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, and nobody else. But now they've increased their rate of three wide receiver sets. In 2020, they were running it at 29% rate. Almost essentially doubled that rate here in 2021 so far within the first couple of weeks, running it at 45%. So seeing that 
and also looking at their passing rate also increasing. Kirk Cousins is now taking much more attempts in the first couple of weeks than we'd expected. I mean, what Jen, how are you looking at KJ Osborne? Are, are you looking at him as a possible wide receiver three, maybe a flex play here and there, or are you just concentrating on like the main guys in that offense? You know, the Dalvin Cooks, uh, Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson. You just worry about those guys and don't even care about Osborne? I think it depends on kind of your situation and, and you know, where you are in the league, if you're 0 into, you know, depending on really your bench, all of that kind of things, all those factors come into play. But I think he's definitely worth a sniff, you know, maybe one more week to kind of see how it goes. But I think it's interesting. I mean, I was looking basically, you know, Jefferson had four more targets uh, than Osborne, but they had they had very similar output as far as fantasy points. I think they differ by like one or two points. Um, It's interesting because last year we were kind of in the same boat with Olabizi Johnson, right? Or Olabizi, however you pronounce his name. And here we are, you know, now we've got Osborne in a similar situation where it's is he, you know, will he, will he not kind of thing. Um, I wouldn't run out and, and grab him or, or drop someone major for him yet, but he's definitely someone that we need to keep an eye on because if they continue to pass like they are uh, and he's continuing to get the targets like he is, then yeah, I mean, why not, you know, end up using him as a flex, you know, especially when once the bye weeks kick in. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and so for you, Brandon, if he, if Osborne doesn't catch what that 60 some odd yard touchdown to open the game, essentially for Minnesota last week, we probably wouldn't be, we wouldn't be even having this discussion anyway, but still, how are you approaching this now three wide receivers for Minnesota at this point? Well, that's the shock, right? Is, you know, this has been uh, the offense where we have two receivers and that's it. And it's been so reliable for us to just plug and play Thielen and Jefferson uh, all of last year, knowing that they were going to get the vast majority of the targets. Part of this is that Minnesota Vikings defense stinks. It's uh, it's awful. They're, it, granted, they've faced a couple of uh, offenses that we expected to be, uh, you know, fairly high powered. I know Cincinnati struggled on Sunday outside of garbage time, but, you know, hanging 27 on them and then uh what they did uh against the cardinals 34 points allowed um you know that defense might not be very good it's banged up and if they're going to keep being in those uh for lack of a better phrase non-neutral passing situations uh they might be trailing a lot and kj osborne might be able to continue to get those six nine targets that we saw the first two weeks so you know for me i'm probably not rushing out to put him in my lineups uh, unless i'm in a really deep format but i'm really excited that we have three relevant receivers and i think it's fair to call him relevant now which is a big step up from the bc johnsons of the world of where we were the last couple years in this offense right and i think that most folks were expecting either uh like uh who else is on? i think dd westbrook is also on that squad if i'm not mistaken at this point as well mm-hmm. uh what Immer <laughs> wow. smith marset the guy the rookie that they drafted so so it's just I thought that it was just those two guys and a bunch of dudes afterwards but now Osborne has essentially solidified himself as at wide receiver three it's not really going to be Tyler Conklin or any of the other like any of the tight ends that they brought or like what Chris Herndon we thought he might have a shot to resurrect his career none of that's happening so we'll see I, but yeah I'm definitely interested in adding him on like uh, as like a deep bench stash just to see how the rest of the season plays out if Kirk Cousins can now support not two pass catchers including uh like uh, on top of dalvin cook's role in the passing game but also tacking on a third wide receiver i don't know i mean we'll, we'll see how it works out though uh the last one is going to be a quarterback and this is actually a, a surprise to me because i've ha- had blinders on for Derek carr 
for I don't know how long. I mean, Jen, you've been editing my quarterback streaming piece <laughs> for, I mean, for the past like three, four seasons now. And I think I've recommended Derek Carr as a possible streaming option, like maybe once. And I don't even think it worked out that uh, that particular week. <laughs> and either. every time you do, it's with complete dread. I mean, yes. It, it's a, <laughs> but, uh, but the funny thing is, at least last season, so we'll just like, we'll throw out anything else that happened beforehand. But last season, he wasn't that bad. What, top 12 in EPA per play and uh, completion percentage over expected. He finished top 12 in both of those metrics. This season, he opens up in similar fashion, like top 12 in EPA per play. He sits just outside of the top 12 in CPOE. Uh, he was uh, quarterback one in seven of the last, like, 12 weeks. I mean, what, back-to-back, -back, like, 300-yard games against, like, at least decent defenses. Should we be – I mean, Jen, I'll ask you, like, straight up, like, should we be considering – Derek Carr, I mean, not just as a streamer, but as like just a legit quarterback that should be a part of just our regular conversation for, let's say not just top, let's say not top 12, but let's say like those guys that are just in like, hey, if you've got them, you're, mo you're more likely starting them. Should, should we be talking about them like that? Or are we just, we getting too far out in, in front of our skis here? That's a tough one because yeah, I mean, the guy, I mean, right now he's QB eight, right? He's scored, he's had 24 points in each game, fantasy points, I should say, in each game so far. I mean, yeah, you're saying like, should we consider him not among the top 12? But we maybe should. It's, it's scary because he's one of those guys that you really, it's tough to, to count on. But when you look at the actual numbers, you're like, wait a minute, he's not that bad. It's kind of mm -hmm. similar to Kirk Cousins where people don't want to like Kirk Cousins. But when you get down to the numbers and you look, you're like, wait a minute, he's actually, you know, productive and, and functional. I think, Carr, we, we might need a little more time. But, yeah, I mean, he looks pretty solid. And he's one of those guys that's probably on the waiver wire in a lot of leagues or – you know, you could probably trade for him for super cheap because someone has him as their QB2, you know, sitting on a bench. But I just think, you know, it, it's tough. It's tough to train our minds away from. It's kind of like, I don't want to compare him to Daniel Jones because they're not the same as far as, but he's another one this season that it's kind of freaky. He's QB4 right now. Right. And no one wants to actually invest in Daniel Jones and like Daniel Jones for fantasy purposes. But it's like, do we have to train our brains <laughs> to go there? You know, I mean, I have... I don't know, but I think Carr, uh, you know, might be a little better than we all kind of want him to be, and so we should definitely keep an eye on him. If he keeps this up, there's no way to, to keep him out of that conversation. See, and that's it's actually kind of funny and almost sad at the same time that you mentioned both Daniel Jones and Derek Carr. I only say that just because... Well, I guess you'll see later on tonight when you see when you start to read through my quarterback strategies <laughs> for for next week. So, uh, but for you, Brandon, I mean, I think it's just it's not just the fact that he's been able to produce. He puts up these large yardage games, but just in this two week sample, he's done it in almost two different ways, right? Because it was on the Monday night game uh, last week when it was what Darren Waller's birthday, if I'm remembering correctly, like Darren Waller completely comes out and just shreds the opposing defense. And he has like a Darren Waller statement game. And okay, that's fine. We expect for since Darren Waller is like the primary pass catcher for the Raiders, we expect Darren, Derek Carr's production to flow through Waller. But the Steelers, they bracketed Darren Waller this past week. He only has what, let's say a pedestrian stat line of what, like six for 75, like somewhere in there. But Derek Carr still finds the, like, he still has a good day finding production through Brian Edwards, through Henry Ruggs. So it's just, mm -hmm. it's not just a single way that Derek Carr is producing. So it's just, when I look at those two things, I mean, I think there's some sustainability in that. Now, of course, I say that, and then in week three, like, the, the floor is going to completely fall out. But Brandon, how are you approaching, like, Derek Carr and his situation moving forward? 
So, uh, you know, Carr's always been efficiency. That's kind of always been his game. He doesn't really turn the ball over. Um, he puts up, like, a quality amount of yards. So he's always been, like, a, a sneaky QB2 has always kind of been. You know, if you're in a super flex league or if you're in a two-quarterback league, then he's a good, solid option for you. It's nice to see him in that top 10. I, I will caution people going up against the Dolphins this week. Dolphins held Josh Allen and Mac Jones under 17 fantasy points the last two weeks. Dolphins have a pretty good defense. They force turnovers. I think we might see Carr's run of 20-plus end this week, but I'm certainly interested in streaming him after everyone picks him up and then drops him next week uh, and <laughs> streaming him against the Chargers. I think that's a great thing for week four and I think he's going to continue to be one of those guys where in good matchups you can rely on him as a streaming option but uh his prominence through two weeks probably doesn't change that view I had on him I, I he's very Anne Hathaway for me like Anne Hathaway was always somebody who you know I was always like I've always had the same opinion about Anne Hathaway right but depending on national consensus I, I either love or hate her based on national consensus right because people love her or hate her so mm -hmm. I, it always sounds like that and I, I feel like he's an Anne Hathaway player for me right because I I've always had a very moderate viewpoint on Derek Carr but but, but opinions of him vary so wildly you right. know? Yeah. but I think he's just he's a moderate QB2 option who will dip into QB1 uh, numbers every once in a while and it's it's good to see him doing well uh, I, I like what Kenyon Drake brings to that offense the fact that you know he's not putting up a lot of fantasy numbers but as far as helping the offense stay on the field he's doing kind of Jalen Richard plus numbers is kind of what he's doing for them he's helping them move the chains mm -hmm. he's helping them stay on on the field and anytime an offense can stay on the field you're going to get more points and I think Carr's benefiting from that yeah all right, and as you're doing your homework, looking at these offenses and seeing what you think you can do, uh, take a look at prize picks. If you've done all the hard work on your fan football fantasy roster, take all that hard work, turn it into real cash with prize picks. Simply pick two or more players, decide if they'll go over or under on their stat projection. For week three, I love the under on Alvin Kamara against a tough New England defense and the over on Patrick Mahomes in the high-scoring game we wanted last week involving the Chargers. Download the Prize Picks app today or visit prizepicks.com. And if you deposit this week with promo code 4 for 4, that's 4 F O R 4, you'll get a $100 instant deposit bonus match dollar for dollar. Prize Picks is hands down the most fun, fast, and easy way to play daily fantasy sports. Prizepicks.com, play today. So a few buy or sells. Let's do a buy and sell segment. I want to talk about some of the players who perform well, maybe somebody who uh, didn't, somebody concerning about, see if we're buying or selling them. Uh, Jen, let's start with Marvin Jones and the Jacksonville offense. You know, DJ Chark did well in week one, not so much in week two. Uh, LaVisca Chenault's injured now, had a really rough game in week two. That whole Jaguars offense struggling. But Marvin Jones continuing to outperform his ADP. He's had solid numbers the first two weeks. Uh, are you buying Marvin Jones or uh, any aspect of that Jacksonville offense right now? Yeah, I mean, I, I bought Marvin Jones this offseason. I thought he was undervalued to begin with. I think that people kind of forgot that he's actually really good. Um, he had, you know, a knee injury in Detroit, and I think people just kind of forgot about his talent level. Um, so I did buy him this offseason. I think it's kind of, you know, exciting to – I love – listen, I love everyone loves when people outperform, right? I mean, it's always a fun thing. And so far, looking at targets, like he, he – you know, he's a target leader um, after two weeks for the Jaguars passing attack. And um, I think it's exciting. I mean, I think also, you know, like like you said, LaVisca was hurt. 
Um, and so he wasn't used as much, uh, you know, this last week. I think he had like, he had less than two fantasy points because he was on one of my teams. Um, and I think Chark had a better week one than week two. So I think it'll kind of even out. I don't know if he's the clear wide receiver one in that offense. And as we all know, that offense has struggled and we don't exactly know the full true identity of this offense yet. And I don't know if we ever will actually with Urban Meyer at the helm and what, what they kind of have going on. But um, I am buying Marvin Jones. I like him. I think he should continue to, you know, produce it at a decent level, or at least as decent of a level as he can in that offense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, uh, Chris, were you buying the Jags offense going into this uh, season? And what do you think of Marvin Jones and his early production? I don't know about not the Jags offense as a whole. I mean, remember, for folks that don't know, I, I live in Ohio. I live through Urban Meyer, like being you know, being in my state. So, the, like the moment the things started looking bad, and like we started hearing about just from like the personnel hires to he wanted Kadarius Tony and all that, and I was like, "Yep, I know that guy. I like I know exactly what's going on like down there." And so I'm not completely surprised at all about some of the stories we're hearing about. So no, I didn't particularly believe in the entire offense, but I do believe in Trevor Lawrence. I do believe in Marvin Jones. I, I mean, again, coming from Ohio, Marvin Jones was like drafted by the Bengals, and but we still couldn't like retain him long enough in order to actually see some of that brilliance out on the field. Had to wait until he goes to Detroit, and then now he's down there in Jacksonville. But no, I mean. Marvin Jones, I mean, for his age and his skill set, some folks seem seem to think that he doesn't have it, but through two weeks, leading the Jacksonville Jaguars pass catchers and routes run, targets, I mean, what else do we really want from a type of receiver? Like, he's not running just like those deep routes. He's also running those uh, those intermediate routes that Trevor Lawrence can lock onto, even though we know Lawrence has a cannon for an arm. He's also run some short routes as well. So he really does have, like, a full route tree at his disposal. And for a young quarterback like Trevor Lawrence, who can be aggressive at, at times, we've seen him be errant on, a, like, quite a few throws so far. He actually has, what, three, four, five picks, if I'm not mistaken, at this point. So... For a guy that does have like that level of like let's say uh, like he can be um, smooth in some of his routes, he's capable of running a full route tree. That's what we want for Trevor Lawrence. So yeah, I'm definitely buying Marvin Jones. Just hopefully he can stay healthy for the full season. Yeah, always been a reception perception guy too. Just a shout out to reception perception who uh, has been always talks about Marvin Jones as an undervalued player and definitely outperforming his ADP. Eleven targets, gotta love that. Uh, let's talk about another receiver, someone who I saw Jen tweet. Uh, that was on every one of her benches uh, <laughs> this past week. Uh, rookie Rondale Moore had that big 77-yard touchdown pass uh, from Kyler Murray against the Vikings this past week. Uh, also had eight targets on the day. Jen, uh, are we buying Rondale Moore? Is it time to start putting him in our lineups? It's tough because now it makes it a little more complicated. You know, Rondo Moore was kind of a stash, hold on to him, see what happens. But now that he actually is getting the work and he's producing – now I actually have to toy with putting him in every week and, and face that that challenge. But I do think it may be time to put him in. I mean, I think that, you know, him and Kyler obviously have developed some kind of chemistry. Things are working out. and It's, it's exciting. I mean, and Ky- look, I mean, Kyler, I mean, let's talk about that for a second. He had, what, 40-something yeah. points now? And sadly enough, I'm one of those rare people that actually lost. I'm, I'm 0-2 on a team with Kyler. Uh, which is really, path- yeah, pathetic. I mean, to have to have <laughs> your quarterback put up forty something points and then lose both both weeks is rough. Uh, but yeah, that's it's super exciting, and I think that uh, you know Rondell Moore was one of those guys. If you can remember, Brandon, I uh, was anti Rondell Moore, and you, I, you, and I don't remember who else was on the pod. Oh, Adam Actually, Hutchinson. 
was it Adam, Adam Hutchinson? Yeah, you he guys went to talked Purdue. me into him, and I ended up <laughs> drafting him in every league. And so now I have now I have him, and I got to kind of you know decide what to do with him this week. But you know, coming into the season, we all didn't we didn't really know what to do, right? After after DeAndre Hopkins, it's like where do we go, right? You've got Kirk, you've got Moore, you've got AJ Green. You know, no one was really sure of who to draft there. So it is kind of nice to see him emerging in that role. And it would be fun if, you know, if in his rookie season, if he could have that kind of a, a great, you know, coming out party. Uh, I don't know if I'm necessarily going to, you know, sit. I'm not sure who to sit for him yet. You know, I, I may need another week to kind of see what happens. But either way, you got to love when, you know, a rookie can kind of carve out a role for himself right away and, and make an impact on an offense. And just exciting to watch. Who knew the answer to who do we buy in Arizona outside mm-hmm. of Hopkins was everyone. Everyone. We buy everyone. That's the way it goes. Chris, how are you uh, approaching Rondale Moore right now? Cautiously. I, I will say that it's it's great for him. It, it's great for him from a the fact that he comes into the league, what the, how tall is he? Like 5'7 or something like that. Just ridiculously <laughs> small and like really doesn't fit the archetype of a, like a receiver that most folks would want to buy into, even from a fantasy perspective, let alone like real life physical football perspective. Now, after two weeks, leads the, leads the Cardinals in targets, actually, and uh, but he's actually down at the back end in terms of routes run like pretty much all of the other wide receivers from kirk hopkins even aj green have won more routes than him so i am somewhat uh, at least i'm cautiously moving forward with him i am excited but if we look at his 114 yard performance just this past week 77 of those 114 yards came on one play very true so, so it's just i'm happy that he has that in his repertoire i'm glad that Kyler has the ability to one, see him and two, have that trust for him to come down with and connect them on a pass like that. But can we rely on that week to week? Can, or is it going to shift back to guys like Christian Kirk, who popped up for two touchdowns last week? Is AJ Green, I mean, since he popped up for six, uh, for six targets this past week, is AJ Green going to be a part of it? And does all of this production for the trio that I just named come at the detriment of one DeAndre Hopkins? So it just, and also, I mean, we haven't even talked about the fact that who is the uh, who who is the Cardinals like goal line back? It's Kyler Murray. So it's just mm-hmm. all of that stuff. It's just kind of like from a week to week standpoint, makes it hard for me to buy into any one of those players. Maybe outside of DeAndre Hopkins, just because the draft capital associated with him uh, to put him in my lineup because of the fact that Kyler can like apparently he's spreading it around to all of those guys. We know it's propensity to run in the red zone. So unless I can actually see maybe another week or two and hopefully his his snap share like comes up, his target share also comes up and it becomes a little bit more sustainable, then I'd be more I'd be more at least confident in starting him moving forward. But either way, I'm still happy for him like in this first couple of weeks to be able to make such a splash on an offense that we know is going to be productive. Let's uh, let's talk about another rookie. Uh, Najee Harris, the Pittsburgh Steelers running back, uh, was drafted, you know, second, third round in most leagues, depending on uh, when your draft was. Uh, Steelers offense kind of off to a rocky start. You know, they had uh, the the win in week one over the Bills, uh, but that was a tough defensive battle. And then they go in, they lose to the Raiders. They put up 17 points. You know, we've had Deontay Johnson getting targets. We've had Najee Harris caught a touchdown. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster found the end zone. But 
Harris isn't exactly lighting the world on fire. That offense isn't. Uh, Harris is just averaging 3.2 yards per carry. Only has 26 carries, six receptions, 130 yards through two weeks. Uh, Jen, should we be worried about Najee Harris? And then the bigger question, the Pittsburgh offense in general, all those skill position players that we were expecting to be worth their fourth, fifth, sixth round uh, price tags, are we uh, are we getting concerned at this point? Uh, mildly concerned. Uh, not enough to really do anything harsh yet. Um, not that I would, re- I mean, not that he's droppable or anything like that, but I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to trade, you know, him or anything like that quite yet. Uh, he has, I think he's had 16 touches a game and he's, I think RB 19 in touches a game right now. So, I mean, he's getting the volume. He's just not really um, executing as well as we would like. He's also a rookie, so maybe we should give him a little time and not completely panic. Uh, The Steelers' offense as a whole, it's a little concerning. Um, But I think also it was one of those things where, you know, everyone was buying the pieces but not buying Ben. And it's like there has to be a reason there. If we're not Mm. buying Ben, maybe we shouldn't have bought the pieces. (laughs) Uh, You know, I don't know. And then, you know, Deontay Johnson has now um, had, you know, two injury scares in a row. It's actually the same knee that he uh, injured both weeks, but apparently he's fine. No no major damage. So, uh, you know, I think, I don't know. This offense is weird. They were weird last year too. You know, I think they may find their groove and get it going eventually. And I think Najee's in the same boat. I feel like as long as he continues to get volume, he should eventually produce for us. And I don't think we should completely panic. We can be mildly concerned, but not like full on, you know, yard sale material yet. Yeah, I, uh, I, I'm definitely concerned, but I'm with you. You know, it's probably early. Uh, I, I, I'm not sure. I definitely have a way too much Chase Claypool in my, uh, mm-hmm. in my exposure. Uh, Chris, how are you uh, approaching the Pittsburgh offense after we've looked at them for two weeks? I'm kind of ready to be done with them. I mean, that, and that's not me saying this as a Bengals fan or anything like that. But it's just <laughs> this. This is the same. This is like this offense is as advertised. We had concerns about their offensive line. We had their concerns about Ben Roethlisberger and his either inability or unwillingness to push the ball downfield. Now, I've seen some reports, whether they came out like yesterday or earlier today, about his, let's say, I don't know, unhappiness with Matt Canada, their offensive coordinator. And, okay, okay, fine. If that's part of the reason why he's not pushing the ball downfield, okay. But 21st in the league as of right now in deep ball rate, now, you also combine that with the Steelers' offensive line being 29th in pass block win rate. That's it. Uh, yeah, a, pa- a run block win rate, sorry, uh, in ESPN stat. It just kind of, like, Oof. that goes, like, really points you in the direction of, like, or helps you understand, like, why Najee Harris isn't isn't performing well. Of course, mm-hmm. we're happy the fact that he's on the field for 99.9% of the team snaps from a mm-hmm. running back perspective, but if defenses aren't scared about the deep ball they're not they're not even like worried about like ben throwing it more than 15 yards like down the field then of course they're going to be able to just key in on the run like time and time again and why Najee is essentially one of the most like inefficient like running backs like currently in the league right now and so until yesterday until he got that receiving touchdown we weren't really expecting like too much from a production standpoint for Najee at the uh, so i get it and i don't really know how things can change especially now with this injury to Deontay Johnson are, I mean, is that really going to kickstart that passing offense? Like now I really can't see that happening. Like now essentially Ben has lost his wide receiver one. So unless it's going to be just straight dump offs to Najee Harris and essentially use him like James white for some reason or another, which I don't understand why they would do that. 
I'm not like I'm I'm actually very concerned about his usage moving forward and also whatever efficiency we had hoped for we're just not going to see realized until Ben Roethlisberger really starts to kick it into gear and actually uses that pass game in the way that we would want him to yeah it reminds me of that Todd Gurley 2016 year that second year in the league where you know he got all the touches was on the field all the time but just facing like eight nine guys in the box every single down and uh you know it was it was Goff's rookie year and the last year of Fisher there just reminds me of that situation I think you're right that offensive line is struggling and uh, defenses are just keying in on him unfortunately uh all right let's uh looking ahead final segment of the week uh looking ahead for next week I just want to remind everybody Washington's defense hasn't really been what we thought it would be so far and Devin Singletary has been pretty productive so uh if you're looking for kind of a cheap flex or like uh if you need help at your RB2 spot you know Devin Singletary might not be a bad idea he's getting touches he found the end zone last week not a bad player Washington hasn't been what it's all cracked up to be Jen what are you looking at uh for next week well, I'm going to give you guys a little preview of my – I've got a uh, stash article that comes out uh, on Tuesday morning. Um, but I'm, gonna, I'm giving you a little preview of one of the guys, and that would be Daryl Williams. Um, we have – so. I know. Well, look, you got Clyde, like Ed, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is – should be. If he's not, he should be in the doghouse from that fumble from Sunday night. Or, yeah, yeah. Sunday night. Um, and honestly, he hasn't been very efficient anyway. So I feel like stashing Daryl Williams or Jarek McKinnon and or both or whatever, one or the other, might not be a bad idea coming up because I think it could be more of a committee than, you know, we all had originally anticipated. And, and poor people that, you know, drafted CEH in the second round thinking this would be the year. Um, I just don't – it just doesn't look like it's happening. He just doesn't seem to be – um, running the ball well and he fumbled last night in a very very crucial time so Andy Reid is a doghouse kind of guy so grab yourself some Daryl Williams or Jerick McKinnon if you can all right and Chris uh your thoughts going into next week uh all right so we I mentioned him earlier um okay so I'm just let me make the case for Daniel Jones just real just real <laughs> quick I, and I know it's gross I know it's gross I know it's gross <laughs> but but they're playing at home against the Falcons who have now given up. They gave up five touchdowns just yesterday to Tom Brady. Okay, that's fine. It's Tom Brady. All right, that's fine. But they gave up three touchdowns, three passing touchdowns to Jalen Hurts the week prior. So you've run essentially the full gamut of elite quarterback to a quarterback that at least is mobile, and we're not entirely sure about what his, like what, uh, his full range of mechanical ability or fundamentals. And I think Daniel Jones fits squarely into that category, that Jalen Hurts category. He is mobile, folks. He actually had like one, he got one yeah. rushing touchdown that was, that counted last week during that Thursday night game against Washington. He had a second one that was called back for a holding penalty. He now has like rushing touchdowns in back-to-back -back games. He's actually been efficient from a quarterback perspective, eighth in EPA per play for the first couple of weeks, 13th in CPOE. Now, Daniel Jones, accurate quarterback. I know that's wild in 2021, but it's just looking at the fact that Saquon Barkley is starting to come back. Sterling Shepard is already like essentially the wide receiver one for that offense. He can still hit Kenny Galladay, Darius Slayton for deep touchdowns as well. So it's just, he has the personnel around him. He's going up against a defense that's now allowed eight touchdowns in two weeks. So it just, it lines up for Daniel Jones to at least be a solid or at least a logical streaming option for next week. I know it's gross. Some folks will look at the name and just like, it's almost the same thing like the Derek Carr 
discussion earlier. You see the name, you see the you see the team. You're like, oh my gosh, like I don't want to hear, like I don't want to, I don't care about, it. I, I don't want to invest in <laughs> Joe Judge, Jason Garrett, any of those guys. But just look at what he's been able to produce objectively, and I would say that if you need a quarterback for next week, that's not the worst idea. Konami code for Daniel Jones. I love, you know, I want to argue with you, Chris. I want to, but I can't. Atlanta stinks. I can't. I can't argue with if you. If it was any, it was any other defense, I'd be like, no, I can't do it. In good conscience, I can't do it. But just it all lines up for him. And of course, this is going to be a week that he either gets hurt or he fumbles, like running for a touchdown, and he scores like eight points. <laughs> you know, he's my he's my QB three in Scott Fishbowl. I have Aaron Rodgers and Justin Herbert. It's like, do I have to think about? Actually Oof. starting Daniel Jones over one of those two? Gross. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you so much, Chris and Jen. Always a pleasure. Listeners, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at the Monday Mommy, at Chris Allen FFWX, and at Two Guys Brandon. Thanks, for, thanks so much for listening. Have a good day.